Journey to Organization, episode 141. Six tips for a successful Aliyah. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman. Advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to the Journey to Organization podcast. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone Personal Organization. And today is my six-year Aliyah anniversary. Wow, I can't believe we've been living in Israel for six years. So today I want to share with you six tips for making sure that you have a successful Aliyah. I think the thing to remember when you're making Aliyah is being an immigrant is really, really hard. I have a lot, a lot of respect for my great-grandparents who moved from Russia and uh, my grandfather who moved from Poland to to America without anything, really. And I just, wow, it's a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of respect. I can't imagine making Aliyah, you know, a hundred years ago, moving to Israel a hundred years ago. And I can't imagine what it would have been like to move to America a hundred years ago either. And, you know, where you don't really speak the language. But I feel like today, at least living in Israel, okay, I have an education. I knew some of the language before I got here. I could at least read and write. And I have the internet and Google Translate. Not to mention, I can get on WhatsApp and call my my dad anytime, or I could call my brother or my sister, or I can call any of my aunts or uncles or my cousins or whatever. Anyone who I want to talk to, all I have to do is press a button and I can talk to them. And that was definitely not the case 100 years ago. And so one of the things that I would just like to say is that I am grateful that I have all these tools and I think that they make specifically an international move better but you know especially living in Israel it makes things a lot easier really it's the google translate and the be able <laughs> being able to to do things to go to government offices online that's huge that's amazing <laughs> uh just doing those two things makes a huge difference cuz i can't imagine having to suck it up and go to a government office for hours on end just to get an id card or whatever and it Yeah, I just can't imagine that. So I want to give you my six tips for successful Aliyah in honor of my six years of living here. The first tip that I think is really important is you have to be flexible. It's really important to plan out as much of the details of your Aliyah as possible. But at the same time, you have to be ready and willing and able to bend and adjust when the time comes up. So, you know, you want to live in a specific city, in a specific neighborhood, and you have researched where to shop, where to eat, where to get a car, where to get gas, where to buy books, where to buy clothes. You've learned all of these things. You know which is the best internet provider. You know which is the best cell phone provider. All these different things you have researched and you know, but then you just can't find a house in that neighborhood. And so you're forced to live in another neighborhood. 
that's okay. Being flexible, first of all, sometimes leads us to our goals, but it actually helps us temper our disappointment when things don't work out exactly the way we thought they would. And I think that this is generally true in life is when, even when you have a plan, even when you're organized, even when you have set things up for yourself, being flexible and going with the flow allows you to make the most of every situation you're in. And one of the things that I feel like I got accustomed to saying living in Israel is I hardly ever say Baruch Hashem. It doesn't feel sufficient to just say blessed is Hashem, right? What I always say is Hodula Hashem Kitov and my kids usually answer me Kile Olam Chasto. I always say give thanks to God because he is great and my kids always answer with his kindness endures forever. And sometimes I say the whole thing myself. Sometimes my kids answer me, whatever it is, doesn't matter. But what I recognize is that no matter how much we plan and plan and plan and plan, sometimes it's really not the best thing for us. So when you're flexible and you could just say, give thanks to God because he is great, it makes it easier to move and shift and pivot and be okay with the changes that you have to make, even if that means you have to do new research or even if it means something that your heart was set on doesn't actually come to fruition. Maybe it's not where you're supposed to be right now. And I hope, and this is this happens to me frequently, actually, and I feel like it's a huge blessing. But I hope that if you are forced to be in a situation, if you're forced to be in a situation where you're flexible, you get to see the reason why you are, f- what you were being flexible for. Like, oh, had I lived in this place, or had I done this service, or blah, 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 whatever it is, then XYZ would have happened to me, and that would have been miserable. And so when you can sort of take it even that step further more than being flexible to be understanding that like okay maybe something would have happened that just wasn't you know right then it's much easier to be flexible and and to get back up on the horse and you know research again and start fresh tip number two be humble (laughs) this might have been the hardest thing for me (laughs) um When you are making Aliyah, you don't always, some people do, this isn't true for everyone, but some people do need to ask for help. Some people need more help than others. Some people are more self-sufficient than others. But that doesn't mean that you are never going to need help. You are going to have to ask strangers to help you at some point during making your aliyah. And you're even going to have to ask people who you know to help you for whatever reason. One time one of my kids got seriously ill. I had to just put a shout out to all my people and be like, who's going to help me? And it was hard and I didn't like doing it, but I did it. Or sometimes I just am at the beginning uh, when we first made aliyah and our Hebrew was really terrible. I just remember just saying to people like, I just need you to talk more slowly or explain it again. And it's a humbling experience because when you're dealing with somebody who is talking to you in English, if that's your native language, uh, when you're dealing with someone who's talking to you in English and in a system where you understand things, you feel like 
you feel okay about doing tasks even if you don't really want to do them. But when you don't speak the language and you need to ask for more help to get things done. I mean, there were ridiculous forms that are like three lines long that I had to send to my friend to ask her to please translate them because I just couldn't figure out what it was asking me to do. <laughs> and like, and you have to just find a group, a core group of people that you can trust and allow yourself to be humbled by asking them for help. You're not going to need help with everything. You are eventually going to be able to give help to others. But being humble allows you to ask for help in a way that makes it much easier. So just remember to be humble. Number two. Okay, tip number three. People are always asking me, what should I bring on my alia? And the answer to that question is, bring things that will make you feel comfortable. Don't overdo it. Don't fill a lift of, you know, nothing but the bagel spice from Trader Joe's. Don't do that. <laughs> you won't have space for it. Don't put in the Charmin toilet paper. Don't put in, you know, a bunch of beauty products that are going to go bad before you even have the chance to use them. Bring a little bit till you have time to adjust. Bring the furnishings that will probably fit into your apartment that will make you feel comfortable and and bring things that will make the adjustment easier for you. Things that are familiar are have that likelihood of doing it. Um, again, you don't want to bring a lift over here just full of stuff that you're probably going to throw out. So be conscientious of what you bring. But if there's something that really feels like home to you, you should definitely bring it. Don't get out of control. <laughs> you know, there are limits. There are definitely 100% there are limits. But bringing things that make you feel comfortable helps make the transition better. And this is true no matter if you're making Aliyah or if you are moving across the country or moving across the street. When you're deciding what to bring, bringing things that make you feel comfortable, that make your new house feel like it's home, are what is going to make the transition easier for you and for a family. Which leads me to tip number four. Don't bring too much. <laughs> there are so many times when I have worked with clients who I'm helping them unpack their lifts and there's just not enough room for the stuff that they have brought and we have to give it away or sell it in a fire sale kind of way. And it's disappointing because number one, you've spent a lot of time and money shipping it over. And number two, it's probably something that you did like. But if you would have sold it prior to your Aliyah, you would have you know, gotten the money up front and you wouldn't have had to pay to ship it. So <laughs> bringing things that make you feel comfortable is good. Bringing too much is especially if you know you're going to have a home that is smaller than your current home, bringing too much stuff will not serve you and you'll just end up giving it away and it won't make you happy. It will make you upset. <laughs> and so just be thoughtful about what you're bringing. The fifth tip for having a successful Aliyah is to learn Hebrew. <laughs> It's important because while a lot of people in a lot of places speak English, learning Hebrew helps you adjust because a lot of people don't speak Hebrew, but it'll also help you when you're dealing with interactions with, you know, government offices, with the bank, with schools, with other people, even at the supermarket. Speaking Hebrew is the common language here. So yeah, it's true. In a lot of places, most people will speak English, but you'll always get someone 
who doesn't quite understand what you're saying in English or who thinks their English is better than what it actually is. So learning as much Hebrew as you can before you go is really, really smart. If you say something in the wrong tense, in the wrong gender, it's okay. People will be able to see that you are you know, not a native speaker. In fact, I start out all my conversations with with the sentence, And I make sure to accentuate that I don't have an Israeli accent so that people really believe me. And what that means is, Hebrew is not my native tongue. Please speak slowly. And once you say that, People are like, oh, okay, I'm glad to help you. And they'll speak more slowly and they'll be more thoughtful about what they're saying. But nevertheless, it will still be hard to understand if you don't speak good Hebrew. And by the way, that tip goes back to being humble. If you can say, then, you know, that's definitely humbling yourself. And it's a sign, you know, I am not exactly like you, I am different, and I need you to help me. And, uh, you know, if you can avoid that, obviously, that's better. It will make conversations less frustrating, and it will make the things that you do easier to do because you'll understand what's happening. Okay, so number six, and this was like, I don't know. For me, this was a hard one to do. It takes time to train your mind to think like this. But number six is dream big. Imagine what it will look like when your aliyah is successful. Imagine what it means to be unpacked in your home, what your home looks like with all of your possessions in it. Imagine how you'll feel after six months, after you'll feel what you'll feel like after a year, what you'll feel like after two years, what you'll feel like after seven years, what you'll feel like after 10 years. I mean, there are still, even after six years of Aliyah, I'm surprised at when new things happen. (laughs) Like, for example, I got my driver's license renewal in the mail. That was a big thing. I didn't know what to do. So that goes back to being humble. I had to ask, what do I do? Do I have to actually go to the Misrat Arishui, to the driver's license department and get my picture taken again? Can I just pay online? What what do I have to do? And so that was, you know, being humble. But when I got my driver's license, I remember thinking to myself like, oh, this expires in August of 2020 because my birthday is in August. This expires in August of 2020. How am I going to feel when I have to renew it? And I remember having that thought in my mind, thinking, gosh, it's going to be a first for me and how exciting that's going to be, you know, after being here for so long, right? So I think when you can be specific about what dreams you have in your home, in your individual life, it will make the actual Aliyah better. One of the things that happened to us was that I didn't know where we were going to live, We came here with like no money and we had no place to live (laughs) and we sent a lift and I didn't know what address to tell the shippers to, to, to bring the lift to. And I just kept saying to myself, like, be flexible, Rebecca, you got this. But I imagined 
what I wanted my house to look like. I thought, okay, it's going to have a balcony. It's going to overlook the yam, overlook the sea. It's going to be two levels. It's going to have space for all of my kids. It's going to be comfortable. We're going to have a guest room. I thought about all these different things that I wanted. And the house that we live in is not exactly how I pictured it, I'll be honest. But it's a very, very close. And I love it. And I'm super happy here. But the thing about it is, is that I was able to dream what I wanted. I was able to put these pictures in my mind, what I want for myself, what I want for my family, which made it easier to appreciate when my destiny was manifested. And it also helps when you have these dreams. It also, in my opinion, helps you to be a little bit more flexible because you understand that what you are thinking of is just a dream. It is not necessarily reality. And so when something is so close or very similar, it's easier to say, you know what? This is close enough. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to be flexible and I'm just going to agree to this. That's number one. But also when you can dream about and imagine and let your imagination really take advantage of of where under like visualize when you can really dream and visualize where the stuff is going to go in your house where your stuff will go how your bed will look in a new bedroom how your sofa will look how your table will look how you'll set up your dishes and glasses when you can when you can imagine that it makes it easier and that's why i think it's so important to do number 3 which is bring things that make you feel comfortable because it actually helps with number 6 which is to dream big right so i think that those are really really important things about making aliyah the final thing that i wanted to say as a bonus for next year because it's actually relevant to next year is learn the laws that pertain specifically to living in Israel. So one of the things that happened to us is we made Aliyah one month before the Shemitah year started. And so I know, based on how long we've been living here, exactly where we are in the Shemitah cycle. And actually preparing for the Shemitah year was challenging because even though when you live outside of Israel, you hear about these laws, you can conceptualize them. Putting them into practice is difficult. So I'm talking about Shemitah. I'm talking about taking Truma and Maser. I'm talking about how we have to be careful about destroying trees in Israel. There are all sorts of things where you can place plants. There are all sorts of things that you have to be conscientious about when you live here that you don't when you live outside of Israel in terms of what you eat, in terms of how you give your charity. And it's important to recognize that these are things that you should learn in advance because it will actually make your klita, your absorption, much easier when you understand these different areas, aspects of of halacha that have not really been relevant to you before. Right. So just to recap, here are my six tips with my seven bonus, seventh bonus tip. One, be flexible. Two, be humble. Three, bring things that will make you feel comfortable in your new home. Four, 
don't bring too much. Five, learn Hebrew. Six, dream big. Learn to train your imagination to really realize your goals and figure out what your goals are and visualize your successful Aliyah. And bonus tip number seven, familiarize yourself with the local religious customs, but also the local regular laws too, because they are different and you will need to know them. If you are planning on making Aliyah, I can help you. (laughs) I have loads of resources on my website. There's a free Aliyah guide you can download right there on balagambigon.com. Also, you can listen to episode 100 of 6, Pack with Melissa Goldwag from Pack from Camp. Melissa and I have put together a package of things that you need to help you pack for Aliyah. uh, And there will be a link in the show. In the show notes for this podcast, which is if you just head to balagambigon.com forward slash podcast and search for the episode number, which is 141, you will see <laughs> you will see the link to the Pack for Camp where we also have specific videos. Melissa and I made amazing videos on how exactly to pack for camp. So <laughs> and there are tons of other episodes. There's episode 59 about Alian moving with Tamarim Concierge, Tamar Perlman. There is episode 67 with Debbie Shore El Yassi about, about how to choose an apartment in Israel. There are loads of great little tips about living in Israel scattered in throughout different podcast episodes. And on my website, you'll also be able to see the webinar I did for Nefesh Benefesh to teach people how exactly to organize themselves for the flight in particular, but also for the movers. So there's loads of great resources on my website. And I'm happy to work with you to declutter, to get ready for your Aliyah. If you're ready to declutter, then go ahead and book a done in a day declutter with me. I am so excited to work with you. It is a four hour long session and we create targets and goals for you. And I am checking in with you all throughout those four hours to make sure you are hitting your goals and getting decluttered. And if you're planning Aliyah, ready for Aliyah. So go ahead and head to balagambigon.com. If you have any questions, you can email me at Rebecca at RebeccaSaltzman.com. That's R-E-B-E-K-A-H. For now, I am wishing you a great week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.